0: Well, good morning, everybody, man. Welcome to church today, both here in the room, in Worship Center 2. I think I looked over there. I saw Bud and Sarah heading over there to Worship Center 2. Everybody over there, we love you guys. Everybody online. We are glad that you're here today. And I wanna give a big shout out. Everybody in the room, let's give a big shout out to everybody in our new Spanish translation service online and in person. Let's celebrate that we've got a new community that we can connect with here at the Hills Church. We want to love everyone and we want everyone to come to know Jesus. And so that's a new thing that we have going. Thank you, Karina, for helping us on that. Now, today uh, is a little bit different. We keep, even Pauly did it, and I just felt like God was telling me this morning something in my prayer time. I just need to read this. Over us today because there's a reason why we do everything that we do here in church. And I want to read this passage to you from 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong with our lives and correct us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I don't know why God told me to read that today, but he did. And I want to pray that over all of us, that that right now, this moment, this preaching moment, where we take the word of God, not me, this is God's word. This is not Dave's opinion. This is not the Hill's opinion. This is God's word, and it teaches us. And so I want us to prepare prepare ourselves. If you're new here, I want you to know that this word is for you, too. If you don't believe in Jesus, this word can speak truth and and wholeness and and hope into your life. So let's play... Too much coffee. Let's pray real quick. God, right now, I give myself over to you, God. I don't speak my opinions. I speak your word, and I just take your word, and I lay it in the laps of people who are listening to your word. So God, take your spirit, speak to us, whether we know your spirit or it is new to us. God, speak it today. God, we love you, and we thank you. We're excited to see you work in Jesus' name. Now today, we are in week three of our relational vampire series. How do we love the people that suck the life out of us. Now, this joke just does not get old here. Uh, Daryl uh, has said it most weeks. I've said it several weeks, but you can you can find somebody who is either like week one, who's controlling. You can find somebody who's critical. You can Today, you can find someone who's needy in your life. And next week, you'll be able to think about all the hypocritical people in your life and make sure that you also point the finger at yourself because one of the big spoiler alerts is that each and Every week, we can find an element of ourselves in each and every message. Now, I was talking to a friend yesterday about the message today, and he said, needy people. Doesn't the church help needy people? Yes, the church helps needy people. We're not talking about genuinely needy people who life has just kicked in the pants, and you just need, uh, you just need a hand. How many of you have been the recipient of help when times are tough? Someone has just stepped in and saved you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Absolutely. We all need that. God tells us, all the way back in Deuteronomy, he says, look, give generously to the poor, not, not thinking anything, not, no, no, no false motives, no nothing, not grudgingly, nothing. And he says, God will bless everything you do when you do that. All right. So we give to the poor. We give to those who are needy. That's the way that we work in our community. What I'm talking about today is the overly needy folks in our lives, What does that look like? That looks like the person at your office who, for you, when you walk up to the the break room and you see him there, you know that he's going to take an hour to tell you two minutes of information. And all you want to do is get out of there. That's all you want to do. Like, you want to make your hot pocket and go back to your desk. That's all you want to do. You don't want to talk to him anymore. He sucks the life out of you. It's your cousin who calls, you know, about every month and says, hey, dude, hey, uh, you know, just this one time, I need you to bail me out again. You know, you get it. It's not the first time he's called for you to bail him out it's that person in your life for every day life is is a struggle nothing in life goes well they're a victim about everything and they want you to hear about it every day it's a struggle they just drain us it's the people who pull up in really nice cars you know $500 payment cars and they say hey i just need $200 to, to pay my cell phone bill for my iPhone 12. Like that is an overly needy person who's just not paying attention. And we as the church, we have a responsibility to love those people. And there's a spectrum that we're on. Like p- some of us, we want to like fix the problem immediately. We, we like, we just can't handle there being a problem. So we just wanna jump in and fix it no matter what it takes from us, no matter what it sucks out of our life, we're gonna jump in and fix it. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where like we want absolutely nothing to do with it. We say life's tough, you know, suck it up and we want nothing to do with them. So when they come up and you start feeling like they're an overly needy person, you just like want to break it off. You want to do like what the, the great philosopher Taylor Swift does with all of her boyfriends. She says we are never, ever, ever getting back together like ever. Like that's also another response we do as a church. And sometimes we step in and we help no matter what. And sometimes we say we are never getting back together, okay? But I also tell you today, I want you to know that there's a whole range of ways that we interact and we love people who are overly needy. So what I'm going to do today is I want to give three filters for you to run each situation through so that you yourself can know how you need to respond to Whatever this overly needy person is bringing in front of you. So, we're gonna have some participation today. So, remember these points because I'm going to ask you about them later. If you don't respond, I will be mean. That's just the way I work, ask Daryl. So, the first filter that we use when we encounter someone who is overly needy is we give strategically. We give strategically. What do I mean by that? Strategically, it implies that you have a plan, that you don't just go willy-nilly doing things. If a football team went on the field and said, hey guys, why don't you just run out over there? I'm going to throw it over there some way. That team's going to get slaughtered. No, they have a plan. Every play has a plan. Every player in a play has a role. We do that with our giving. We know that ahead of time so that we don't do what the opposite is, which is emotional giving. To have compassion on someone, the Greek word literally means to have an upsetting in the bowels, okay? All of you with IBS out there, you know what that is. You feel it very regularly. That's me too. Like, you know, all you want is it to go away. And when we think of compassion, we think of that part in us that just makes us want to not feel this anymore. And so emotional giving just wants the problem to go away and we don't have to deal with it anymore. It just makes us feel good and we get to go away. And there's a story where uh, this is modeled really well in Scripture. We find it in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, they are disciples of Jesus, kind of his top two students in the class. And they are heading to church after Jesus goes to heaven. And they head to church, and they come across a man who was lame from birth, who's at the door. He's begging for money, just like we see on many corners in our streets across the world where people are holding a sign. It's that kind of thing where people are waiting for someone to help. And so we see in Acts chapter 3, we see when Peter and John, when he saw Peter and John, when this man saw them, he asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly and expecting some money. Now, this man has learned what many overly needy people learn. They learn that if they are loud enough, long enough, someone will step in and someone will help. And it will give them what they need to get through the day, probably pay the people who carried him to the church door to lay him there so that he could beg and then also get the things that he needs. However, like if our goal is to make ourselves feel better and to help him for the moment and then get on our way, then we've just accomplished what we want to accomplish. If we just threw some change his way. However, God calls us to truly help people. God calls us way back in Ecclesiastes. God says, God says, when you come to church, when you come to the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. I think it's a very interesting analogy. Keep your ears open and your mouth shut. And He says, it is evil to give mindless offerings to God. He says, it's evil to give mindless offerings to God. It's, it's actually wrong to take a little bit of change and just throw it to somebody and say, I'm doing, I'm just gonna go my way. When you put your money somewhere, uh, something that God has put in your hands to manage, when you just put it somewhere that it shouldn't be, that's actually something against God. And so we don't do that mindlessly. We want to truly help someone. And we see that strategy, it takes thought. Peter said, hey, look at me. He says, give me your whole attention. And the man does that. And then Peter goes on in verses six and seven, he says, but Peter says, I, have, I don't have any silver or gold for you. He's got some. Doesn't have it for him. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the layman by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. That's a really powerful passage that we could just throw a little bit of change somebody's way, or we could invest the time. We could be strategic about are we going to help this person? Okay, yes we are. Then what does that look like? It means we're going to invest a little bit of time. We're going to invest in that person. We're going to help them have hope for tomorrow. We're literally going to give them a hand up and not just a hand out. That's why we really love the Evansville Rescue Mission. They're they're here in our audience today, and they're also out in the the, the foyer helping us collect for their gobbler gathering, so they can feed lots of families this Thanksgiving. They are very strategic about their giving. Yes, they meet. They, they feed hundreds of meals a day—breakfast, lunch, and dinner—to the community who are in need. They uh, they provide over two hundred beds each night for men who find themselves homeless. Uh, each night, they do that. They feed. They meet very immediate needs. But also, there's tons of strategy behind what they do, and it is God-given. They help the men who find themselves in the homeless situation, and they put them through, they have the option to go through this plan they call the PACES program. It's about a 12-month program where the men, uh, they learn what it is to live on a budget, what it is to look for a job, what it is to take care of a home, what it is to be if they have a spouse, what it is to be a healthy spouse, what it is to seek after God's best in their life and have hope for tomorrow. That's not easy. That takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of strategy. But the Evansville Rescue Mission does that really well. That program is, is, is a great success rate. Right now, I tell you what, can we give a hand for the Evansville Rescue Mission for all they do? <laughs> Tracy, Kyle, if you guys are here, man, love you guys, love the work that you do and helping us model strategic giving in our community because we don't wanna just throw mindless change at someone's feet and, and probably do more damage than good. So first, what is, that, what is that first filter we use? We give? Oh, my goodness guys, OK. Oh, Ryan, can you come up and play the keys while I do this, please? I think they respond better to you. I don't know where you are. No. We give. How do we give? Strategically, Strategically that's right. The second thing is we serve wisely. We serve wisely. When you serve people, when you serve the community, you give a ton of yourself. Jesus did that. He spent his time in front of people. He prayed for people. He healed people. He just spent time eating with people, you know, listening to them, learning about their lives. He spent time in between people and people who wanted to hurt them. The woman caught in adultery, he stood in between the people who had stones that they wanted to chuck at her, but they were gonna hit Jesus in the way. Doing that day in, day out, it wears on you. And one thing that Jesus taught us is that we have to be wise about the time that we spend doing what we do. And Jesus knew he had to unplug every once in a while to recharge his batteries, to reconnect with the Father. And we see that, we see that in Mark chapter 1 says, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. He went by himself to pray, which is to talk to God. Later, Simon, who's Peter, that, again, top student, and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everybody's looking for you. The guy's in like high demand. He's the son of God. Everybody wanted to be, you know, hang out with him. I get it. And if you imagine Jesus right now, like imagine 2020 pandemic, he's like many of us. Uh, we have lots of time with family at home, at home, with family. Maybe many of you mothers out there, uh, I'm not proud of this, but I do this. Maybe many mothers, fathers can relate to this. How many of you, you've been at home and you just need five stinking minutes alone? Five minutes, so what do you do? You go to the bathroom and you lock the door and you sit on the toilet, you pull up whatever on your internet feed, you know, cat videos, whatever you do, and you just want five minutes apiece, but you're going to the bathroom, right? Not proud of it, I do it too. But here's what happens. Every time, we got three boys, the youngest is like this tall. You start hearing the little pitter-patter of feet coming down the hallway, and you're like, oh, my god, they know where I am. Oh, my god, they're coming. And all of a sudden, if you've got little ones like me, their hands barely reach the doorknob, so it just wiggles. And it's like, it's like something out of The Shining. You think Jack Nicholas or Jack Nicholson's coming through going, here's Johnny. But it's like little Deacon, and honestly, I've thought at times maybe I should, maybe I should like go hide in the tub. They won't find me in the tub, right? No, they find you in the tub. It's it's not good. But Jesus teaches us something about how we how we handle our time, our energy, our resources. No, I won't load it overflow because Geo would kill me if I did that. Uh, but all of you are watching this right now. I can tell. Uh, we only have twenty four hours in a day. All of our resources. How do we serve wisely? We all have 24 hours in a day. I did spill it, Geo. Forgive me. Uh, we have 24 hours in a day. That is this cup. This cup is my 24 hour period. All right. We only have 24 hours. These are all the re- you know the things in our lives that we have to do. We just take care of. That's uh, that's my wife. This is my kids. Let's see uh, what else do I have? I got to spend time with Jesus. Uh, I've got friends, I've got family, I've got uh, my parents, my brothers, sisters, uh, I've got work, uh, let's see, I've got friends I want to make sure I keep connected with, I've got some hobbies that I want to make sure I, you know, keep up on so that I have a little bit of me time, and uh, let's see, so we've got all those things. We've only got so much time, and every day, we get a chance to see what we're going to do. All right, so here's Sandy, It's my wife, uh, I'm going, you know what, I'm invest a little more in her, because it always pays off most of the time. Uh, And then you have to choose which child you're going to love the most. I'm not going to tell you which cup is which, but my children know. Uh, So I've got time. I've got time with uh, that was, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of work. Just a little. It's Saturday. Uh, I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. I'm going to call my mom and call my buddy. And you know what? Today, I'd like to spend some time in the workshop and just uh, spend a little bit of time. So what do I've got? I've got the choices I've made to invest the hours that I have. Somebody comes in, somebody just needs my time. What do I have left to give? I've got nothing, nothing. The hardest part about every day is serving wisely is making choices. It's taking time to do the hard thing, which is you have to say no occasionally so that you can say yes, often. And when you find yourself totally empty, you've given all you have, you go back thankfully, you go back thankfully to Jesus. And you can refill your cup. But the problem is, there's always gonna be somebody who wants you to say yes. There's always gonna be somebody who is well-meaning, who needs some help, who just wants five minutes, but it's never five minutes. It's never just five minutes. It's going to be something more like this, but you know what? I need to spend some time with my wife today. I need to spend some time at work. I've got a buddy who's really struggling, and I need to help him through this. Like, you have to make your choices, and you have to decide where you're going to spend your time with wisdom. Jesus uh, meets this woman at the well uh, in John 4. It's the woman at the well, Samaria. And he goes, he goes to this well, and she's getting water for the day. And he says, look, anybody who drinks from this well is going to come back thirsty again. He says, but anybody who drinks from the well, from my well, from the water that I give them, will never thirst again. It's water that is fresh. It is water that leads to eternal life. When we forget that we're just a cup, I'm just a cup. This water isn't I'm not God. This water is just, I'm just carrying what God's put inside of me. And I've only got so much of it. If I stay too far away from the well too long, I'm just going to dry up and I'm not good to anybody. So we have to make hard choices. What's the second thing? How do we love people? Well, we serve wisely. Good job guys. Way to go. You're making me feel like I'm doing a good job. Uh, the, thir- the first thing is we give strategically. We're smart about how we give. We put thought into it. We serve wisely. The third thing, and this is often the hardest one, honestly, is we trust completely. We trust completely. God has set up this world that we live in way back in Genesis as a sowing and reaping world, which means when you plant something, something grows. Whatever you plant, it grows you harvest what you plant. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter six. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Now that means if I plant tomatoes, guess what I'm gonna get? Tomatoes, tomatoes. smart one, I love it. She's a, she's an ag girl, she gets it. What if you plant potatoes? potatoes. Po- I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't, maybe it's to put tomatoes and potatoes. You get, you get potatoes. If you plant cucumbers, you cannot expect to get strawberries. It's not happening, okay? If it did, somebody messed up somewhere. Now, the problem is where this comes in and where this really hits hard, because most farmers know if you plant cucumbers, you're getting cucumbers. But this law of sowing and reaping plays out in other areas of our life also. We see this in chapter 6, verses 8. It says, those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that very sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. God has set up this world so that consequences are a very real part of it. If you sow poor decisions, you will get poor consequences. Here's the thing, most of the time we only think of it as bad consequences, but there are good consequences. If you sow good things in your life, you will reap a harvest of good things. It is not that you earn something from God, you get an A plus star on your shoulder because you're good for God. No, it's because God has set up this world in advance to operate that way. And I know that consequences, most of the time when we think about them, they really stink. But what they're there for is Romans 8 tells us that God is working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And how does he do that? He has set up this world to work that way. And so consequences, whether we like them or not, are drawing us closer to him. And the problem comes in, this mostly goes with the fixers in the group, which I would fall into that category. The problem comes is when we see somebody with consequences, we want to step in and take those consequences for the person away so that they don't have to hurt. Parents out there, you get this. You don't want your kids to hurt. You want to take it away from them. But the problem is that hurt is teaching something. I don't hit my thumb with a hammer again because I learned when I put my thumb Over the nail, I hit it with the hammer. So I take my thumb off of the nail. Jesus tells a story very clearly about this in Luke chapter 15, a story of the prodigal son where he had two sons. His youngest son said, you know what, dad? I like your your money more than I like you. Give me my money. I'm heading out. And he heads out. He heads out to another town and he spends all of his money on women, beer, and buddies. And what happens to women, beer, and buddies when you run out of money? They go away. They're gone. So what happened to this young son? He found out that he had no money. He, he didn't want to go home. He was too embarrassed. So he decided to get a job. And the only job he could get was working in a pig pen and feeding pigs slop. He didn't even have enough money to buy food. In the story that Jesus is telling, he says that, that, that God in the story is the father. Now, the father at no point goes to the neighboring town, finds the son, pulls him out, pulls him up, and says, you're coming home with me. no. It says the father waited and he prayed for his son to come to his senses. That's where many of us find ourselves here here today. Many of us find ourselves in consequences that we don't know how to get out of. But I want you to hear me that God, our heavenly father, is waiting for us to come to our senses so that we can reconnect with him and be restored to our full sonship, our full daughtership that he has for us. Now, I hesitate to do this because I realize I've given Daryl a picture from my high school yearbook. Uh, So I hesitate to do this. It's actually from my ID from high school. If you want a picture of what the prodigal son looks like, I'm going to go ahead and have Devin go ahead and throw that up there now. This is me at age 18. Yes, that's 18. Everybody's looking like, holy cow. Yes, this is what McDonald's for 21 years will do to you from that. Uh, But what you also know is this is a stud, I'm just telling you. He's got two gold hoop earrings. They were cool back then, no matter what anybody tells you. Uh, He showed up at home uh, with a shaved head one day. Parents were like, what in the world? Showed up another day with an earring. Parents were like, what in the world are you doing? (laughs) Showed up another day with another earring. Showed up another day with, uh, well, one of the tattoos, and then showed up another day with another tattoo, and... uh, They never cared for any of my choices. I was a hard worker. I I tried hard in school. I really did work hard to to make sure that people thought I was was a good guy. They could rely on me. However, I allowed my living outside of that good guy attitude to be way too fast for what I can handle at age 18. My parents, uh, they did not agree with most of my decisions. But at no point did they come chasing me down, pulling me out of the consequences of my, my sin. The consequences of my sin played out. Consequences of drinking way too much, they play out, you get arrested. You get into bad relationships that you should have never entertained at any point in your life. At no point did my parents come and pull me out of those things. They waited and they prayed. And finally, after enough consequences built up in my own life, I realized that when you plant dumb decisions, guess what you get? Dumb consequences. When you sow bad relationships, you get bad relationships. And I'm not the hero in this story. Trust me, my parents are and God is. But finally, I realized that if I wanted the fruits of what God had for me. It's in Galatians 5. I'll read it here in a second. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I wanted those things, but I thought I could get them on my own. But I realized I was planting junk, expecting God to pull out with those gifts that he had. And that's not how he has set up this world to operate. I think this passage is very, very applicable for us today. Whether you find yourself and you're sitting here today online in person where you're like, you know what? I'm a really needy person. I need some help. Or whether you find yourself sitting and thinking, thank God I'm not a needy person. I wanna help somebody. You've got somebody in your mind and you're like, "I'm I'm gonna help them. This is a great passage for us today. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit does, not us. The Holy Spirit does love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, gentleness, self control. There is no law against these things. You do these things, you're not getting arrested. Praise Jesus. I wish I had known that. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature, their overly neediness. They're looking for affirmation from places they shouldn't be looking for it. They're looking for identity in a relationship, not in Jesus. They're looking for affirmation in a job that pays more money than they're worth, in a, in a wife who, who's you know, the perfect wife, and the husband who's the perfect husband, the kids who are perfect kids. You're not looking for those things. You have nailed all of those desires to his cross and you've crucified them there. And since we are living by the Holy Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another wherever you fall on the spectrum of being needy or knowing a needy person. You cannot take a position where you are better than a person who's needy, or if you are needy, you cannot take a position where you're lower than anybody else. The Bible tells us that we cannot be conceited where we think too much of ourselves or jealous where we think too low of ourselves. And that has played out all throughout our country this this week. Whatever side you you land on, you know, dog person or cat person, Coke, Pepsi, Democrat, Republican, no matter where you are, you cannot think too much or too little of yourself. You can only look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want these fruits in my life. You can only look to Jesus and realize that you're just a cup. You are not the source of water. When you realize that, you realize you can give other people who don't have much. I don't remember what this cup was, but doesn't have much. When I, when I realized, that, you know what? I want love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control to come out in my life. This is not me. This is just me sharing Jesus. It's all I'm doing. I'm not giving anything of myself. I'm connecting someone to the source of water. I was talking to a friend this past week, uh, his name's Dave. He's a pastor, and uh, uh, he was just having a crazy week, crazy year, crazy 2020, like a lot of us. But 2020 for him was supposed to be a year of like smooth sailing, but man, stuff just hit the fan in his life. He said, uh, "He said, Dave, you're not going to believe it, but I've only been home for eight days in a row this year, guys. It's November, okay? He's only been home for eight days in a row, and he said, and actually, that's going to get cut short because I offered to go help a friend out." He said, as soon as I get done with that, I'm going to go on a missions trip. And I was like, Dave, I'm sorry, man. That couldn't have come at a worse time. He said, actually, no, it's coming at just the right time. I said, okay, wh- what do you mean? He said, when I, when I get so caught up in my own world, the best thing for me is to get out of my world and to get into somebody else's and allow myself to see from their perspective. Because I'm going into it thinking, man, they're poor. They got no money. I've got seminary ed- education. I'm going to go give them Jesus. He said, then I get there. And I realize like need, it's not just financial. It's not just relational. It's spiritual. And he said, I am more blessed when I go to talk to these people than they will ever be blessed by me because they help me see that there is joy, there is contentment in the living water of Jesus. There's a passage in Psalm uh, Psalm 70. This is King David. King David, who was the leader of the, like, the, the world back then, the leader of the greatest nation, King David, the guy who everybody looked to as like he's going to fix problems, he's going to love the order, the, the orphans and the widows in the world. like he's the guy. He's the guy we look to. King David says this. He says, but as for me, I am poor and needy. Please hurry to my aid, God. You are my helper and my savior. Oh, Lord, do not delay. If King David is saying, God, I just need you. God, I just need the water that you give. It is insulting for any one of us to think that we have an opinion or anything to offer other than this water. When you come in contact with an overly needy person or someone who just sucks the life out of you, guess what? You are not the miracle worker, the way maker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. That's not you, that's Jesus. You just point them to him. And when you do that, he is just gonna fill people up. You don't have to be the one that passes on. If you connect them with the source, he's gonna take care of the rest. I don't know where any one of you are today. I wanna pray for for the two groups of people in this room, probably these two groups of people in this room, the people who are needy, Maybe today you realize for the first time you might fall into that category of an unhealthy dependence on other people's affirmation, other people's finances, other people, whatever the case. I want you to know that you too can have the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits that God has for you. If you are in a position where you feel blessed and you feel as though you can help someone in need, I want you to have the right awareness of who's doing the helping. And it's Jesus The answer for both of those groups is Jesus. So I'm going to pray for them in a minute. But what I want to do right now, I want to give each and every one of you a chance. So I'd like uh, eyes closed, heads bowed right now in this room, worship center two, all online. I'd like you to close your eyes and bow your head. If you today don't know the water that Jesus offers, if you don't know a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that that is readily available in this moment. All you have to do, the Bible says, is just call on him and accept him today and you will receive the water that will never run dry. A lot of us got dry mouth. We just need a drink from water that will never leave us thirsty. If today you wanna accept him as your Savior, I want you to go ahead and just raise your hand in this room today. I want you to just raise your hand high and say, I need Jesus today. Online, you go ahead and do the same thing in Worship Center One, Worship Center Two. Thank you. I just want you to know that Jesus is there at the moment you call on Him. He will never leave you dry. If you raised your hand today, I want you—I want us all in this room, especially those who raised your hand—to just pray with me right now. Jesus, I accept you. Oh, that was bad, guys. That was bad. Jesus, today I accept you. To be my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. Whether I am needy or whether I know those who are in need. Jesus, you are the answer. Amen.